0: Get your Bibles, and I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah 53, and then Jeremiah 1. So be ready for both of those today. This has been one of those weeks that I've been overly excited about this Sunday, and actually so excited that my ADD kicked in a little bit. And you've heard, if you've been a part of the Hills, you've heard me say this. Kristen says, I've got A-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-H-D. That's what she says. And man, when I get, I've just been so excited about what we're doing. We're beginning a series called Identity. And uh, most of the time, our series go four to five weeks. We're saying that, but we really don't know. This thing could just stretch out a little bit. Because if there was one message that Kristen and I feel like God has called us to speak on, it's this. If there was one topic that I know that I've been put on this earth to share with people about, it's this, identity. Finding out who you are, how God made you, what God created you to do. I'm not good at a lot of stuff, but I'm good at that. I'm just saying, I feel like God put Kristen and I here to equip, encourage people to step into what God has called them to do. This is my life message, what we're going to be talking about. And so if you're a part of the hills for the next 10 years, 25 years, you're going to hear us talking about identity a lot, finding out what God has really called us to be. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down and you can help me pray. For the next several weeks, our goal for this series is this, for us to see us like He sees us. Write it down. This is going to be the Marvins. You're helping us with prayer. This is what I want you helping me pray, that God will help us see us like He sees us. Now, I want you to say this with me. Say this, repeat this after me. It's time for me to change my mindset of me. All of the problems in the world come down to two things, how you see God and how you see you. That's it. Everything comes down to that. How do you view God and how do you view yourself? And there's so many things that make us change the way we see ourselves. The way people talk about us, the the things we hear, the things we don't hear, whatever it is. There's all of these things that affect our view of ourselves. Or as we'll say sometimes, your view of you, how you see. When you look in the mirror, what you see affects so much of your life. And then when you pray, the way that you view God, it changes everything. I want to take just a little uh, vignette at the beginning of this sermon today, or this teaching today. And I want to to have a, a few after Easter observations, okay? A few observations after Easter. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says this, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Look at me. I ask myself the question many times, why did you do what you did? I said it a couple of weeks ago. Jesus Christ was the spotless lamb sent to shed his blood to take away the sins of the world. How many would agree with that? Do you know that when the lamb was brought into the temple that the lamb, the only thing they did to the lamb was shed its blood. That's it. I know, it's, I know they killed it. I get that. It's not just like it. Okay. They took its life. But there was no humiliation of the lamb. They didn't beat the lamb. They didn't torture the lamb. They didn't rip its wool out, take out a whip and begin to take its hide off of its back. They didn't nail it to a tree. None of that happened. There was no thorns pressed into its head. Nothing of that sort happened. So if Jesus Christ is sent to be the spotless lamb, why in the world did he go through all of that? Anybody ever ask that question? For years, I didn't ask that question because I thought that was just the way it was until I began to study how they really dealt with the lamb. The blood that had to be shed, the torture and the abuse. Why did that happen? It's this scripture right here. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Let's say chastisement. To chastise him, to beat, to abuse, to obliterate, to scar, to destroy to try to take everything. Matter of fact, the scripture says that that you don't even want to look at him. He was so beaten and bruised and mutilated. That didn't have to happen. Why did he do it? So that our peace could be made. The chastisement of what? Our peace was upon him. That word peace doesn't mean, ah, that's not what it means. That word peace is not in the midst of a crowded, loud home that suddenly all the kids just shut up at once. That word peace is not when you're in the midst of a work situation and everything's going crazy, kind of like it was here this morning at the hill setting up and things are going wrong. I just running around and all of a sudden. Oh, that's not the peace we're talking about. That word peace in the original text means this. Completeness. The chastisement of our completeness was upon him. Which means this you and I are incomplete. Look at your neighbor and say, You are not right. But Colossians chapter two, Colossians two and verse nine says then says this, "For in him dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power." So Jesus Christ came, look at me, not to get you out of hell. And to get you into heaven. That's part of it. He came to make you complete. Because we are fractured. We are shattered. We are broken. But I've found that that's who God looks for. How many feel Broken. Of you have a hairline fracture some of us are just powder <laughs> just powder you know what the bible says this though hey can i just step aside from this for just a moment <laughs> i only ask that just so y'all say yeah go for it i'm gonna do it anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> he's getting away from his notes oh no here we go <laughs> This is fake. I didn't even have any up here anyway. It's, it's a blank piece of paper. I got nothing. <laughs> so here's the deal. The scripture says this. This is one of my favorite passages. It says this, so you're going to make God a house. Pretty much, my paraphrase is, good luck with that. You want to build God a house? Good luck with that. It says, because God makes his house in the universe. That's God. The heavens are God's throne and the earth is God's footstool. Yes. He sits his lemonade on Mars <laughs> and is remote on Jupiter. That's where God hangs out. We're going to build God a house. Well, take luck with that because that's going to be a lot of fun. Making a space that God can reside in. But then it switches and it says, but God has chosen to make his house In those that have a contrite spirit. That word contrite means this crushed. God makes his home in those that are crushed, not broken, smashed, run over, backed up, run over again, and then went and got a jackhammer. And then run over again. Am I speaking to anybody right now? Amen. Last, uh, if you do, if you weren't here Sunday for Easter, we talked about the power of your scars. But I'm talking to some of you that are so beat up and crushed, you don't even have scars. Damn. It's just dust. There's nothing there. But I love the fact that that's who God looks for. Did you hear that? He doesn't look for perfect Christians. Our perfect people, our folks that have got it all together. He looks for people that are incomplete and fractured and broken and messed up. I want you to look at me. This is very important. This is a life message for someone right now. Matter of fact, this is a lifeline for someone right now. Because we put up this whole prototype of what a believer is supposed to be. And you, you hear it in our music, you see it on TV, you read the books, this is, looks like this all the time. No troubles. And we got this mindset that if we don't look like that, then we're not God-like. As my daddy would say, that's hogwash. That is a lie. God is not looking for people that's got it all together. And while I'm making sure my tie's right and hoping that you don't see that the end of it is too long on the back. <laughs> Just hoping you wouldn't see that this morning. <laughs> and knowing that I need to lose 10 pounds or 15 or 20-ish. And knowing that Kristen and I weren't perfect this week. Amen. And that we got in each other's grill. Amen. And I had to apologize to my son. Dropped him off at school. We were mad at each other. And I watched him walk in there by himself. and I'm just beating myself up. I want to go in and apologize. I got to wake all the way to 3 o'clock when he gets out. I'm sorry, son. I shouldn't have done that. I don't want y'all to see that. I know I do it, I say it now but I don't really want you to see it because I think you're going to realize that maybe I am a charlatan or maybe I am a fraud. Maybe I don't have it all together. But what I found is when you put the books down and when you put all the perfect down, God's over in the corner looking for dust. That, you can applaud that. That's a good word. We're supposed to applaud, I don't know. He just. I'm leaving because he doesn't know how to tie a tie. Are you with me today? We're talking about identity. Identity must start with us knowing what God wants us to be. God doesn't want you to be anything that he didn't already make you to be. I don't have it all together. Yes. He looks for dust. I remember when I first saw that scripture, I said, Lord, why would you make your home in dust? Why would you look for dust? He said, because it reminds me of the first time I met Adam. What does that mean? That means Adam was just dust, a mess, a mess. We come together and we want to have it all together and all. I'm I'm perfectly formed. And God's like, I don't need you like that. I need you like you were in the first place. Because if you come to me all put together, duct taped up and spiritual super glue all over you trying to make it look right, I just got to break you down. I mean, feel like God's been breaking you down? You know why? Because you try to put yourself together. I'm yelling on Sunday morning. Are you getting what I'm saying? We try to put ourselves together, but that's just messing it up. God's looking for people that are to a place that he can take them and make them the form that he wants them to be. There's a series that we did several, uh, I don't know, last year called Transformation. Transformation. If you were not here, I think it's still online. You can go and listen to that series. We talked some about that. That that word transformation actually comes from that word formed. The way God formed Adam from the beginning. Perfect. Set up the way he wanted. him. Why was it so important that God got Adam right? Because he was the prototype for the entire human race. Do you know why it's important that God gets us right? Because it's not about us. Let me talk to you parents for just a moment. You battle things. You can't get over addictions or temptations. Look, if you won't do it for you, do it for your kids' sake. Did you hear me? Because it's not about you. God needs to get you right for your kids. This guy came to our church in Austin. He was a nice-looking guy. His wife was really beautiful. And I said, bro, you married up. Way up. I said, I know that. I'm married up. He said, yeah, I did it for the kid's sake. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, look, if you won't do it for you, do it for the kids sake (laughs) well I'm not going to have kids yeah you are you may never have biological kids that may not be your plan but you're going to have kids there are going to be people that you're going to produce In that transformation series, we talked about the fact that the caterpillar has to be melted before it can be formed into what it's supposed to be. That word metamorphosis means melting, pretty much. It has to melt until there's nothing left. Everything the caterpillar knew about life disappears and dissipates. It's hanging upside down, twisting in the wind, in the dark. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm melting. Figure this thing out. Why? So the caterpillar can get wings. Why does a caterpillar need wings? Because it needs to be able to fly to land to lay eggs. Caterpillar is crushed so that it can produce the next generation. See, I believe sometimes God's crushing us. God's allowing crushing to happen, not because of us or what we've done, but he's got to get the DNA right so the kids are going to be right. God, give us a heartbeat for others. For others. (laughs) Not for us. For other people. We get so selfish. It's about us. I'm experiencing this. I like this. Oh, this is good. What about other people? What if God needs to work on you and mold you? Get to a place, though, that you can be crushed. So don't fight the crushing. Don't fight it. Submit to the season. Now, look, if you're doing stupid stuff, don't blame that on God, okay? If you're laying out in the middle of 40 and you're getting crushed, okay, that ain't God's fault. Are the devil's. That's my favorite one. The devil's just trying to do this to him. No, you're being dumb. (laughs) That ain't the devil. That's you being dumb, okay? So don't blame that kind of crushing on either one of them. But if you're doing everything you know to do to stay right and to be in God's will, but you continually get crushed, you're in a season of crushing. Submit to that season. Don't fight it. Don't rebuke it. Don't get angry about it. Just settle in and say, God wants to get me to a place that he can mold me the way he wants me to be. And then, once you settle into that and then you find yourself being pulled into this, you're going to find yourself that you're being made complete in him. Let me see the hands of those that feel like there's just something missing. Something missing. I know Christians aren't supposed to say that. Supposed to have it all together. I mean, feel like something's missing. Feel like there's a destiny. There's something out there. You're supposed to. There's this little something. You know why? Because you're not in him. You're outside of him. The scripture talks about that. I believe it's like 87 times in the New Testament. It talks about being in Christ. Everybody listen to me. Being in Christ. Christ, There is a difference in having Christ in you and you being in Christ. Huge difference. I have Christ in me. I've invited him in my heart. That's awesome. But have you ever stepped into Christ? Because once you get to a place that you learn to step into Christ, that changes your entire identity because you're not looking at you anymore. That's a good word. And if I wasn't preaching, I would amen it louder than you all are. In Christ, in Christ there is no condemnation. We just go on, in Christ I am complete. Christ in me, the hope of glory. But me in Christ, oh man, I can do all things through Christ. When you're in Him, that's when we talk about a Spirit-filled, a Spirit-led, a Spirit-baptized life. If you've never stepped into a life that you're being led by the Spirit, you are missing out. My wife calls it, now this is back in our Pentecostal days, she called it the bubble of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Some of y'all don't even know there's a word called Ghost, Holy Spirit. The way I was raised, we didn't even call it Holy Spirit. That was like, he didn't even count. It was Holy Ghost. (laughs) Heavy on the H. All right? Kristen calls it the bubble of the Holy Spirit. Stepping into Christ. Look at me. Get on the edge of your seat. This is important. If you don't hear anything, you don't even have to come back for the rest of the series if you get this. All right? Just take a vacation. Not really. Get this. If you want to find out who you are, work with everything you have to get into Christ. Get in him. Just let him surround you. Let him envelop you. Spirit-filled, spirit-baptized, led by the word. Letting the gifts of the Spirit be evident in your life. Letting the fruit of the Spirit be evident in your life that's going to help you find out what you were really called to be. Let me say something to somebody right now. You are not a mistake. Look at me. You are not a mistake. And if you're not a mistake, the way God made you ain't a mistake. You know how we dedicate certain scriptures to certain things. You're like you can't be used, you can't use that scripture for anything else but that. The scripture in Jeremiah one and five has been dedicated to abortion. It's like nobody can use that, but if you're just talking about abortion. But that's not true. The scripture, when it says that I knew you before I formed you, that's about your identity. That's not about pro-life or pro-choice. That's about identity. I love that. I knew you before I formed you. Didn't know about you. Didn't have a plan for you. Knew you. Intimately understood you before he ever started working on you. Does that do anything to anybody but me? That blows my mind. Do you know how long it has taken me to know her? And her to know me, we've been married 20 years in July. And I'm still figuring, oh, you like that? Oh, you don't like that? Still learning this stuff out. But he knew me, every bit of me, the essence of who I was, my DNA, my structure, my desires, my weaknesses. He knew all of it before he ever started forming me. That word know means to be intimately acquainted with. I knew you before I formed you. Listen to somebody. Listen to me right now. You are not a mistake. And if you're not a mistake, the way he made you is not a mistake. He says this, before I formed you, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Everybody say formed. Remember, we're talking about being crushed. And why are we crushed? The scripture says in our text that he was bruised. He was crushed. Why? Why does the crushing go on? Because he wants to get us to a place that he can form us design us and here's something we say a lot around the hills God always designs you for your destiny what's my destiny how are you designed if you're not good looking you're probably not going to be a model I'm just saying if you can't count God probably didn't call you to be an accountant if you can't sing Well, and all the air went out of 80% of Nashville just then. <laughs> if you're mean, now I wouldn't even go there. That's, that's another series in itself. God designs you for your destiny. Before you were formed, I knew you, and before you were born, I had set you apart and appointed you to be my prophet to the nations. Everybody say these four things with me. I am known, I am handmade, I am approved, and I am appointed. If you get those four things, those four things, you can make it through anything. Jeremy Jean said something so great several years ago, we moved to Austin, Nashville, and we moved from Austin to Nashville. we were be able to pray about the city. and Jeremy said this: "People in this city just want to be known. I want to be known. Not fame. I want to know that you know me, that you care about me. He knows you, and if he knows you, he knows where you are. Yeah. Does that give anybody hope or make anybody happy? I knew you before I formed you. That word formed, handmade. Worked on you. Picked out your stitching. Sewed you. Knitted you in your mama's belly. Handmade. There's nothing like something handmade, is it? Just, it's better quality. You know, they take the time on it. God didn't just put us out, a whole human race. No, I'm going to start with one. Then I'm going to take out of him and form another one. Handmade. You get that in your mind, it changes everything. I don't like this, I don't like that, but God handmade me. Some of you right now are saying, but you don't know how I got here. I wasn't supposed to be here. One wasn't supposed to be here. That's the whole point of redemption. Look at me. Redemption answers all those questions. People try to figure out, well, how do you know if a child was supposed to be here and if they're really ordained? Look, even if mom and daddy didn't do it right and the baby was, a whoa, we didn't know that was happening. Or even if there was violence associated with it or some type of abuse that's associated with it. As soon as life begins, redemption steps in. That's the power of redemption. Does that make sense to anybody? You are known. You are a handmade. I love this. He said, before all of this happened, I set you apart. That means you are approved. I took you and set you apart. Do you know that God has approved you? Even when you mess up, you're approved of God. And secondly, or fourthly, man, secondly, I skip to the And number fifty three. He preaches fast. You're approved. This is more important probably than any of that. You are appointed. Before you were ever thought about, you were appointed. You know that scripture that says hope never disappoints? Look at me. Once God appoints you, you can never be disappointed. Right there. Disappointment means that. It's not, oh, I'm just so disappointed. No, disappointment means I have an appointment, but now I don't have it. No. Once God appoints you to do something, you can never be disappointed from that. Hope never disappoints. So what do you have to do? You have to continually hope for what God has appointed you to do. Look at me. I'm telling you, this is what I and Kristen, we are anointed to do. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. You are appointed for great things. You are. But it doesn't happen without crushing. You want to do good things? Superglue yourself. Use the doctrine of the duct tape to get it all together. You'll do good things. You'll be fine. You'll get to heaven and we'll all celebrate with you. But if you want to do great stuff, you better be ready for a crushing. Well, that's a good note to end on, isn't it? I think we may do a mail out. Come to the hills. We're all going to be crushed. You were known. You are a handmade. You are approved, you are appointed. I was talking with Jared Meggs yesterday, and those of you who don't know Jared, he's more than a pretty face with an acoustic guitar singing Scandal of Grace. Three days a week, this guy is helping perform brain surgery on people. Think about that for a minute. Like sticking stuff in their head, controlling their limbs. It's pretty amazing to me. And part of what he does is he works with people that battle with depression and battle with suicidal thoughts. And We sat yesterday and we talked about Rick Warren's son. If you haven't heard, Pastor Rick Warren's 27-year-old son took his life yesterday. I thought about all of the purpose that this great man has given people all over the world and how he would take back all the books Just to give that boy some purpose. You know what happens in those moments? That young man forgot that he was appointed. Just forgot it. That's why you can, that's why people can take their life in a moment. People can make a mistake that changes the rest of their life in a moment. People walk out of a relationship in a moment. Why? You didn't know you were appointed. If you remember, God has appointed me to do something great, you stay in that relationship. That relationship with God. Look at your neighbor and say, You are complete in Him. Man, I don't even have to study for next week. I've got all my notes still here. It's going to be great. Somebody come play on this piano, if you will. It'd be awesome if like five of you jumped up. That'd be great. I want to thank you for your attentiveness today over the next several weeks we're going to start peeling back some stuff scripture goes into it and it says Jeremiah I've anointed you I've appointed you I've done all this stuff and he said here's what's going to happen you're going to tear down you're going to destroy you're going to break down you're going to dig up and then he says then you're going to plant and you're going to build look at this did you hear that? Tear down, destroy, plow over, crush, and then you're going to plant and build. We all want to go right to the planting and the building, don't we? I'll never forget when God called us to plant a church in Nashville. After we did it, kicking and screaming, I remember how long it took just to just. One day, my wife went to Costco, and she showed back up at the house. With a magnolia tree. Not a gallon of milk, a magnolia tree. <laughs> a whole stinking tree. And I automatically go, okay, it's gonna be some work right here. But it was, a, it was a miniature, it was smaller, you know, so the pot was just about this big. I can do that, do that in a day. And I got to digging, went online and looked, and they said, you need to make sure that you dig the hole four times bigger. And oh, no. At that point, <laughs> just make a pool out of this thing. So I'm digging. And so I shot a video for our launch team, the folks that were with us at that point. And I said, look, sometimes it feels like you're digging and digging and digging and digging. It's because God wants to plant something substantial. And a lot of times the crushing and the tearing down, that process, it feels like, us oh, this is lasting so long. That means God wants to do something that lasts. Not fleeting. I want to hear the honest people right now. How many feel like there's greatness on you? Like there's something God's called you to do. Look at that. Look around the room. That is amazing to me. That's not cocky or conceited. Now put your hand down. Now how many feel like that you're not quite living up to that? Probably all the same hands up. (laughs) So here's your prayer. God, anything that's stopping me from being what I'm supposed to be, plow it down. Crush it. Break it. Dig it out. my pride my my fear my anxiety you know after Easter you're supposed to have fun you have to be light but I'm telling you this whole week it's felt heavy it's felt heavy not a bad heavy just heavy how many have felt that this week? Just like, you know what that is? That's, your, that's in your heart. God's getting you ready. If you ever feel that, you need to learn how to pray. That's where you begin to pray. God, whatever you're doing, I'm looking at people right now that you have thought about walking out, giving up this week. You've thought about just, I'm done with this thing. You are appointed. Look at me. You're called to do great things. Amazing. Let's stand.